Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of We're Getting a Dog. My name is Wesley. And I'm Dylan. And today I am taking over again, again. It's all yours. <laughs> uh, I'll be silent. Yeah, we've spent the first couple of Dylan's episodes learning about presidential dogs, which is yeah. super fun. I've gotten some great feedback on those episodes, too. People okay. loved them, yeah. Um, but we're going to take you back into breeds this week. So, uh, actually, before we do that, let's just catch up a little bit. How have you been? I have been good. I'm spiking here. Let me turn myself down. I've been uh, good. Uh, work has been kind of crazy, which is good. You know, <laughs> it's not a bad thing. It's great um, when work's crazy. Yeah. And uh, just reading a lot. I'm reading Gun. What is it? Guns, Germs, and Steel Yeah, by Jared Diamond. It's like a Pulitzer Prize winner. Um, it's like 500 pages, so it's going to take me a while. To, I'm about not even halfway through it. I read the first hundred. It's great. You read the first part for like school. It might have been the first two parts. Yeah. So. Yeah. I never read it, I but I'd, I'd much, heard but... of it. It's, I, I think I've read excerpts of it for classes along the line, but um, I'm reading that and um, yeah, we've got some family coming to town. Well, friends, but he's family to <laughs> me. Uh, he's coming to town this week. So yeah, yeah. we're going to have a good time this week. But yeah. anyways, how have you been? Good. Yeah. Been good. Works good. less crazy. <laughs> It Looking is for start- a second job, actually. But. Yeah. Well, isn't well, isn't dog walking? Isn't this like your busy season now, or is that because it's getting cold? Well, I mean, usually, yeah, I like, yeah, get even more new clients in. But sure. I don't know. I feel like it's still kind of a weird time. Everything's still recovering. Yeah. Well, Dylan, are you ready to know what this week's breed is? Oh yeah. All right. This week is all about the basenji basenji yes the basenji i don't know this one i kind of landed on so like just so you listeners know every season um when we decide what breeds to do uh we have a giant book that's just called dogs (laughs) or it's just called the dog Uh, my aunt got it for my aunt and uncle got it for me um for Christmas last year. And it's like a really, it's like a giant illustrate of all breeds. So I just kind of like did a thing where I just flipped around and pointed and I landed on the Basenji. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it's very, um, very historical, very well documented, lots to it. I honestly, I'm an, I'm not going to lie. I anticipated not a lot of like solid history. There's tons of solid history for this breed. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so they're, they're really cool. They come to us from Africa. So they're are, I think right. one of our first African dog breeds. Have you done any ones from Africa? I don't think, I don't so. think so. Yeah. This might be the first. Wow. Nice. But anyway, so let's just get right to it. Uh, the Basenji is a medium-sized dog that is impressive in its light build and is most known as the breed that does not bark. But oh, I will get yeah. to that later. Yeah, this Doesn't they've bark. got like that claim to fame. Yeah. Uh, oh, microphone. They just make that noise, right? Yeah, they kind of uh, like yodel is how it's described. But we'll get more uh, into that. I don't know. <laughs> So this breed is a hunting dog and it belongs to the hound group and it uses both scent and sight to do their hunting activities. The AKC describes them as, quote, smart, poised and independent, and they're born in litters of just four to five. So these are smaller littered, a small litter breed. We've not really talked okay, too much yeah. about that on this show, but I yeah, figure, I don't know what it, a standard litter is. I don't know. I think it really honestly varies per breed or right. per mother you know all those things 
are going to play a role. But I thought it might be interesting to start including that for our breeds. Yeah. So, yeah. So looking at the Basenji in photos and videos, they look very graceful and very full of ability. Definitely. Uh, sort of like a Shiba. Definitely. Yeah. They do lack some speed that you would get maybe from like the Corgi or the Beagle or a Terrier. Really? Yeah. Oh, they look like they'd run fast. They look like it, but they're a little more agile. Like they're very like, they're kind of like pedantic in how agile they are. They're careful about how they move. Not necessarily like just go for it. If you know what I mean? So like I said, yeah, they might lack some speed, but they're very multi-skilled in the field. So that's good. The, the Basenji carries themselves proudly with a distinct alertness. They are quite fox-like in appearance, but their bat-style ears that sit high on their head give them a distinct doggy cuteness. And so, yeah, they do have very high-up ears. If you look, they almost have, like, Frenchy ears. Yeah, you know? yeah, definitely. But much more tall. This picture is a very <laughs> scrunched face, too. Yeah, their their wrinkles are something that they're known for, actually. That's part of their standard. Their eyes are either dark brown or dark hazel. Their muzzle, while pronounced, is actually shorter in real life than it appears in photos. That's one thing that a couple of the print sources I have both said. It's like they look like they have a really long face. It's just a, like kind of an optical illusion. Oh, just because yeah. it gets thinner at the end? They're so? just small. Yeah, it gets thin, uh-huh. but like... If you look at it from the front, it looks big. Once you go to profile, it actually just turns out it's not as big as How big it are looks. They? They're like, I'd say about the size of maybe like a miniature schnauzer. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah I thought they were bigger. Big. Yeah. From this picture, small. I guess. Some wrinkles. So like I said, yeah, some wrinkles may appear on their forehead when their ears are fully put up. They have a scissor bite, if anyone wants to know. And the final unique look to this breed is that their tail curls up onto either side of their back like a pug's tail or like a uh, the book's like a pig's tail. It's very like curly, tail. yeah. It is. It's very cute. I think it's <laughs> adorable. It's like complete it's like a fruit roll up. <laughs> you mean a fruit by the foot? Mm, yes. A fruit roll up <laughs> is like the flat sheet. Yeah, no, definitely not a fruit roll up. No. More more of the fruit <laughs> by the foot. Definitely not a gusher. Those but, are was that tape. bubble tape? Yeah, bubble, bubble tape. <laughs> yeah. That's you know, what it's like. bubble tape, I remember, not Hubba Bubba bubble tape, there was another brand. Yeah, I, the big pink. Yeah, box. and I don't remember what it, was, it was called, called bubble tape. No, they made bubble tape, but I don't know where the, I don't remember what the no, brand was. Oh, I thought that was the brand. Maybe it was Bubblicious. It was Bubblicious <laughs> bubble tape. Okay. Because there's also Bubble Yum, which you can still buy at Target. But Bubblicious was a better bubblegum brand. I have feelings. According to their standard, male Pasenjis are uh, 17 inches tall, while females are 16 inches. Males weigh 24 pounds. Females weigh 22. So actually very, very similar. Yeah. The Basenji has a single smooth coat that comes in several different colors. Uh, I have those colors here on the PowerPoint presentation. If anyone out there on the ether wants to follow along, it's in the links. I'll follow along. (laughs) <laughs> so the, the first one is a chestnut red. Ooh, very regal. Black and white. Ooh, adorable. Tricolor. Ooh, and brindle. And their brindle can Ooh. be of either red or black uh, or brown. So it has to be the two colors plus white. Or it's, tan if it's on a Tuesday. No, 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 no. Like the brindle has to be <laughs> one of the official colors recognized. Okay has to contain one of the official recognized colors. Um, The Brindle actually has an interesting story, which we're going to get to in its history. Uh, But 
other than that, the, they do have some defining features. Uh, Basenji's run with a very like smooth, tireless gait. They they sort of trot when they run. Mm. Uh, they tend to be more on the independent side too, but they're affectionate towards their owners. Around strangers, though, don't be surprised if uh, your Basenji doesn't warm up to them right away. The AKC describes them as quote aloof to strangers. Yeah. According to the Guardian's interactive dog DNA article, the Basenji is reportedly closest to the Azawak and Rat Terrier. So that's that article that you told us about, a, I think, a couple of episodes ago with the, with the Corkies. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. The Azawak and the Rat Terrier? Yeah. I didn't know there was a dog that's just a Rat Terrier. Mm-hmm. Huh? So now onto their bark. The Basenji famously, quote, does not bark. Instead, their vocalisms are described most often as a yodel-like sound. There is an entire article that you can find on the Basenji Club of America's website about, you know, how, why doesn't the Basenji bark? And uh, to briefly summarize it, the probable cause of the barklessness in a Basenji, that there's a great alliteration there, <laughs> is a shallow ventricle in their voice box that is usually larger in other mammals. So it ends up limiting the movement of the Basenji's vocal cords, which leads them to have a Yoda-like vocalism instead of a full-on powerful Weird. bark. Was it bred for this? <clears throat> Well, I'm about to get there. So okay. it's also speculated that because the Basenji's hunting style is to flush prey into a trap or holding place for a human hunter to kill it, ancient Basenjis did not utilize their vocal muscles to bark, but instead to provide an animal-like yodel sound so they wouldn't give themselves away while flushing out prey. Huh. So instead of barking, which alerts an animal it's trying to get into a trap it would yodel which would sound maybe like a just a different animal and it was you know kind of a little bit of some mini evolution there just confuse the prey <laughs> yeah but it would you could still around just scare not it and, them. and like get it to a tra- like it's holding trap where you're huh. it's trained to take the the prey weird yeah it's it really interesting so that's that's like the basics of the Basenji, just kind of its standard, what it looks like, all those different things. I do have a video of their bark, by the way. So we're going to go ahead and play that, or the yodel, excuse me. Really? <laughs> yeah, they just kind of, well, it's like a howl. It's a very high-pitched howl. <laughs> that had some power to it. Kind of sounds like a like a siren a little bit. Yeah, but yeah, that's the Basenji's yodel. Which uh, sorry if we terrified you there. <laughs> but anyways, uh, yeah. What do you think? Do you think they're cute? <laughs> pretty cute. I mean, that that yodel's pretty aggressive. It is. <laughs> I thought being barkless would be like they'll never bother you. Yeah, no. It's like they'll bother you, but they'll just scream. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, we're going to take a quick break and hear from something, probably me again. But uh, (laughs) we'll be right back. These messages from Wesley. Yeah, we'll be right back with the history of the Basenji. So don't go anywhere. Hello, listeners. Wesley here to talk to you a little bit about how you can support this show. For each episode of all of our podcasts here at Arcadia, we spend our own money on books, articles, and other materials so that we can bring you podcasts that are thoroughly researched and fact-checked. All of the hosts and producers of these shows also work full-time jobs in addition to the podcast so that we can support this passion we all share. 
If you'd like to support us at We're Getting a Dog, as well as the other podcasts in the Arcadia Podcast Network, head on over to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash we're getting a dog, or our website, we're getting a dog.com slash support. For as low as $2 per month, you can get access a day early to every new episode of We're Getting a Dog and other Arcadia Podcast Network shows, such as Coffee's On and Good Food for Bad Friends. And at higher levels, you can get one-of-a-kind swag. Thank you for supporting the Arcadia Podcast Network and for listening to this podcast. Now back to the show. All right, and we are back. Thanks, Wesley. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> with the Oh, for the message, I <laughs> yeah. understand. Uh, yeah, well, now I'm back again with the history of the Basenji. So this dog comes to us from Africa. And I do want to say just before we get into all of the history, that a great deal of this research came from the Basenji Club of America's website. Their website, my goodness, listeners, I have never seen a more well thought out, organized full of information breed club website than the Basenji Club of America. Like, applause, applause to them. Because they have, like, look at this, like, year-by-year timeline of Basenji events that go all the way back to, like, prehistory. They've got, like, an owner's guide. They've got courses. Like, they've got references. There's so much on that website. If you are interested in getting a Basenji, if you have a Basenji and you aren't already aware of that website, Go look, because what a great resource. I hope, yeah, I hope you all check that out, because it is, it blew my mind. I was like, wow, this is like, all the work's been done. (laughs) (laughs) All I got to do is like, find what I want to say and copy it, so. Well, let's join the Basenji Club of America. Yeah. Do we need to have a (laughs) Basenji? Well... (laughs) We'll talk about that. Anyway, okay, so getting into the history. So we're starting in ancient history, so dialing it way back. So Mm. while it's possible that Basenjis have been around since 6000 BC, based on cave paintings of similar-looking dogs in Libya, modern-day Libya, it's much more commonly accepted that Basenjis were present in ancient Egypt. Mm. The evidence can be seen on the vizier, which means high Ottoman official, of Meruruka, who served under Pharaoh Teti. So um, it can see, be seen in his tomb. So Meruruka, along with many noble statesmen and some pharaohs, were buried at the site of the village of Saqqara. So this village served as an ancient royal burial site and later on as a ritual site in the later eras of, the, of ancient Egypt. Basenjis were commonly given as gifts during the time of the ancient pharaohs and their nobility. Before the next piece of documented evidence, it's highly suggested that Basenjis had different colorings and subtypes throughout all of Africa. One example is how Basenjis in the African bush or scrubland developed brindle coats to help them blend, while in the forested areas they developed red and tricolors to help them blend. Also during their early domestication, it is known that Basenjis foraged for their own food while on hunts, which is kind of adorable. Uh, This instinct now shows up as a bad habit of uprooting roots, like root vegetables, and just eating raw vegetables and fruits out of an owner's garden. (laughs) So back in prehistory, before they were like fully domesticated, if they were on a hunt with their like human companion... If they found some stuff that they they knew wouldn't kill them or like they obviously, you know, through instinct and taste, you know, what's poisonous and what's not. They just kind of find their own stuff and be like, yeah, I'm good. You know, they're like foragers. Yeah. Along with hunters. Mm-hmm. 
So it's also a le- it's also legend that uh, s- specific tribes people of Africa held Basenjis in such a high regard that at times they may have been more valuable than a spouse in certain cultures because of how well they could help someone hunt and gather. And, you know, mm-hmm. these are not agrarian societies quite yet. These are just like hunter gatherer. Uh, the last documented evidence of the Basenji in ancient Egypt is dated to 1200 BC, and it can be seen depicted on the bas-relief paintings within the tomb of royal official Akhetep, and I think I'm saying that right. And um, that is also in Saqqara. Is that these cave paintings you have in the slideshow? Yes. Because those Basenjis look giant. <laughs> I know, right? So we're jumping way, way ahead now into the 19th century. So it's hypothesized that when the Egyptian pharaonic dynasties ended, the Basenjis, originally native to Egypt, died out. However, they survived in Central Africa, and travels to Africa during the mid-1800s revealed the Basenji as a treasure dog amongst tribes in the then-Belgian Congo, which is now the uh, Democratic Republic of the Congo. Uh, These dogs may have been known to Great Britain as early as the 1840s, but a Dr. Schweinfurth... I think that's right, first confirmed their existence in modern times. He studied the flora and fauna of Africa during 1868 and wrote of the Basenji in, turning my page, and wrote of the Basenji in his studies, quote, the only domestic animals are poultry and dogs. The dogs belong to a small breed resembling the wolf dog, but with short, sleek hair. They have ears that are large and always erect, and a short curly tail like that of a young pig. They are usually bright yellowish tan in color, and very often have a white stripe upon their neck. They are made to wear little wooden bells around their necks so they should not be lost in the long step grass." End uh-huh. quote. So that's from 1868. By the 1880s, Basenjis were being shipped from their native Africa to exotic collectors and zoos all over Europe. However, they weren't referred to as Basenjis, but rather as Congo Terriers. Though a standard was prepared for the breed, the illustrations were not in line with what we would call a Basenji today. They were first shown at Crufts in 1895 under the names African Bushdogs, Lagos Bushdogs, and Congo Terriers, so you could find them under all three of those nicknames. Uh, they were popular, but unfortunately, those dogs and their offspring were lost to distemper as there was not an effective vaccination yet. Uh-huh. So distemper was very, uh, dogs were very susceptible to die of distemper before the 20th century you know, before vaccinations were developed for mm-hmm. that. So that's the, the beginning of the Basenji in um, Europe and specifically Great Britain. Of course, it's always England. <laughs> and uh, but I think it's interesting that, you know, the, the the there was really early activity for this breed to come from, you know, obviously those were the uh, colonial trade routes, the slave trade routes. So these dogs were probably picked up along there. But um, yeah, no, I thought it was interesting that this like just their beginning history was so well covered. Oh yeah, yeah. And how long they've just you know been a dog of Africa. Yeah, no doubt. Really, what did they do in the hunting? They would flush them, so they would find where a group of them would right. be, and you'd set your basenjis on them, and they would sort of and like make chase them yodeling into- noises. To alert their owner, yeah. but it would they would where chase they, them into were. a trap, so that way they would oh. be stuck, and the and then the human can intervene and actually take his prey. The Basenjis don't do any killing, right? 
pretty small. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're just fast and, you know, and agile. So they can, they can outpace, you know, larger animals. And they and can yell them. really loud. Yeah. God. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So now we're on to the 20th century. In 1934, author Maxwell Riddle published this story about his travels to Africa. And I have a quote again here for you. So this is from uh, the author Maxwell Riddle. Quote, once in the old Belgian Congo, I asked officials to take me up country to visit the tribes having Basenjis. They seemed puzzled. Finally, they said, do you mean the dogs which don't bark? I said, yes. So they agreed to fly me to a small landing strip and then to take me by motor launch further up the river to a village where I would see the dogs. But don't call them Basenjis, they said. In our language, that means savage. The natives might think you were referring to them and you could get a spear in the back. We call them Saba dogs, meaning dogs of the Queen of Sheba. That's the end quote of that. God, what? (laughs) So I did some digging on this. The word Basenji comes from uh, originally from pygmy, and it literally translates to small wild thing from the bush. So you could loosely translate that to mean savage. Because it's it doesn't necessarily mean dog. It means just little furry thing that is in the African bush. Well, sure, but a dog isn't, you know, it's not a wild thing exactly. It's domesticated. No, but you have to... <laughs> animal. I have to think that Weird. whoever named them, you know, that could get lost in translation that way. A Basenji bit the translator. <laughs> God. This isn't a presidential dog. There's no biting. <laughs> okay. So uh, that's the story of the word Basenji. In 1937 now, a Mrs. Olivia Burns imported Basenjis to England and showed them at Crufts where they became popular again. So this is a good, like, you know, 42 years later. Right. Uh, Shortly after they were sent to the United States, prior to the Second World War, additional breed stock was imported from Africa in both 1938 and early 1939. Uh, However, during the war, a Miss Veronica Tudor Williams kept the breed stock alive back in England. Now, she's going to be really popular, like, she's going to be really important to the stories of this breed, Miss Veronica Tudor Williams. So, anyway, uh, during the start of World War II, a standard for the Basenji was written, but not submitted to the UK Kennel Club due to the outset, like the outbreak of World War II. Right. Uh, The standard was eventually accepted by the UK Kennel Club in 1942. Oh, wait. That's still in World War II. Yeah, but (laughs) the standard was written in 1939. So they waited three years to approve it. So... um, Still got it done. (laughs) Yeah. So the Basenji comes to America. (laughs) The first documented Basenjis imported to the United States were Bakuma and Basashi. They were imported by the Femisters, the Femister family, I guess, in 1937. Bakuma, mm-hmm. though blind from birth, would go on to sire the first U.S. Basenji champion, Malengo, who won that title in 1945. So in 1941, the first Basenjis were imported to the States directly from Africa instead of just England. The first one was actually a stowaway on a shipment of coffee from the Congo and managed to survive. Wow. The Femisters, again, took her in and named her Congo. 
Oh, I thought you were going to say coffee. No. Uh, yeah. <laughs> she gave birth to puppies sired by another one of the Femister's Basenjis, and one of those puppies went on to become the first uh, obedience title champion for this breed in 1942. Wow. Yeah. It should be noted that there were not any Brindle Basenjis in the U.S. at this time. Another shipment came in 1941 when some Basenjis were sent with baby gorillas, of all things. Hope they got along. Yeah, I thought that too. Two of these dogs, Kindu and Kisenyi, were important to Basenji development in both the United States and the United Kingdom. One of their offspring was Blaze, who was the first Basenji Best in Show winner, I'm assuming, of the AKC. Um, and then the AKC officially recognized the Basenji Club of America and the breed itself shortly in, after in 1943. Oh, nice. Yeah. Further, very rich, oh, yeah, early, very rich early 20th century history. Very much so. They were, yeah. More than I, well, I would expect. And it's interesting, you know, I I hate to say it, but like for the amount of pillaging that happened of African culture, I think the Basenji is kind of one of the few surviving pieces of African culture where they were kept for their skills. They they weren't really changed from their ancient form really at all. Like they've reintroduced colors, which we'll get to. But I I want the, to me it's it's interesting that you know while there was so much colonialism and, you know, like reform of the quote unquote, you know, tribal savage people quote, I don't believe in those terms. I'm just saying, you know, that's what it was back then. I think it's interesting. The Basenji was kept unchanged. Yeah. I don't know that, that kind of, that intrigued me. I don't know, even in knowing, knowing it was such a, you know, part of, a lot of African tribe culture, not just one tribe. Yeah, like at a time Kingdoms. when the world was so separated. Yeah, and, I don't know. Yeah, just the, the dog was so universal. Yeah, in a way just, that you know it was just accepted. Here are the dogs of yeah. Africa. Fascinates me. Anyway, um, further popularity of the Basenji came thanks to a popular 1950 film called Goodbye My Lady. And I think I have a picture of the of the main character and, and the Basenji from the film and the slideshow. Yeah, I do. That movie came out in 1950. It's the story of a in which a young boy befriends a stray Basenji named Lady and must surrender the dog to her rightful owner. In 1951, Basenji registration stood at 151 dogs, but by 1957, oh. it had grown to five times that amount. Okay. Wow. During the 1960s, Basenjis became even more popular thanks to a marketing campaign on their barklessness. One of it's it's a little kind of kitschy though. One article of the time kind of makes them sound like a gimmicky home decor item, not really a dog. It's like the dog is barkless and they're compact and they stay in the corner and they look cute. Well, this is all I've heard about them really, but after yeah. hearing the noises they make, I'm like, that, that yeah. Much selling point. Well, YouTube wasn't around in the 1960s, so. <laughs> Uh, they kind of just ignore the entire fact that they're like an ancient skilled dog breed too. Like they actually are very useful. Instead, they're like they're barkless and they're little. Like they're silently <laughs> in the corner. Yeah. Just some brief history about the uh, Canada. So remember Miss Veronica Tudor Williams? Well, she went to Toronto and she imported Basenjis there in 1940. One of them named Quilo or Quilo. K-W-I-L-O, became the first champion in Canada not long after. So, uh... Wait, they're Canadian champions? Yeah. Back up. I don't think we've mentioned Canadian... I have. ...dog shows. Hey, I know we have listeners in Canada. I always look at the Canadian history if I can find it. 
but usually there's not much. It's usually combined with the U.S. history. Yeah, like I thought. I don't know. Is, is there a Canadian Kennel Club? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Maybe maybe we've looked into it with the Canadian breeds, but I don't remember the CKC, the Canadian Kennel Club. I'm pretty sure that's you know then the Golden Retriever and the Nova Scotia Duck Tolling Retriever. I know you looked at the Canada stuff for Nova Scotia because I lo- I do all the bibliographies for the show. Sorry, by the way, people, mm-hmm. if those links aren't working in the um episode descriptions i'm gonna try to fix that on anchor if you want to see our bibliographies just go to our website and there's a tab that says bibliographies so sorry i didn't realize dog.com okay so anyway moving on uh so during the rest of the 1940s 50s and 60s uh so that's those are three decades <laughs> wow so from the 40s to the 60s much attention was paid to the coloring of the breed with some dogs not immediately being accepted uh though due to a full stud book so the akc's stud book is different from its registration process so a stud book is when you have foundation st- breed stock that right. influences the breed and those stud books are only opened every so often if the AKC and the breed club feel that the breed needs to be fortified in numbers or they're running into health issues. So we need to import breed stock that doesn't have these health issues to try and negate the health Diversify. issue. Exactly. So uh, they reopened the stud book in the 1960s. So in the 1960s in Liberia, the pure black and white color variation was first exported. And those black and white dogs were sent all over the world to be introduced into other Basenji breeder lines. So that include the United States. So the stud book was opened for to introduce black and white. And then between 1987 and 1988, brindle Basenjis were again found in Africa and then bred and exported all over the world. So the brindle colorings, which were previously thought lost, were reintroduced in 1988. Wow. So that, I thought that was really interesting. And that was the first time they came to America? Yeah. The wow. brindle color, yeah. I think all over the world. because They I were think, always somewhere in Africa. I think it had just become a very recessive gene. That's just my own assumption. But mm. I thought that was really interesting. And then in 1990, the AKC granted the Basenji Club of America permission to reopen the stud book again and fortify and improve the breed's American stock. So 14 dogs were imported from Africa, and at that time it was believed there would be no more importing of dogs. But then in 2008, the Basenji stud book was reopened again, and 13 more dogs were accepted by the Basenji Club per acceptance by the AKC. So the reason for adding more and more breeding stock into the line is because in America, the Basenjis only originated with maybe like eight dogs, which is not enough to build an entire marketable breed out of. So every single registered Basenji has to descend from... One from of these stud one of dogs. These studs. I see. Yeah, from a dog from this from their stud book. Exactly. Uh, so the reason that they're do, they had done this so recently is uh, prolonged use of the same stock can lead to hereditary health problems that can last for generations yeah. of both humans and dogs. So yeah, they're just trying to improve the stock so that way Basenjis don't fall victim to common genetic health disorders or things like that. Right. So yeah, that is the full history of the Basenji, which I think uh, is really interesting. Currently they are, uh, I wrote this down and now where did I put, uh, currently the Basenji is the 87th most registered dog breed in the United States out of 200, according to the AKC. Hmm. 
so yeah they're still pretty decently popular i'd yeah. say a very interesting breed mm-hmm. a lot i wouldn't expect no doubt well i need a quick breather after all that history <laughs> so how about we take another little break and then we'll be back in just a second all right When you wake up in the morning and get ready for the day, what's the one thing you're sure you won't miss? Well, according to the National Coffee Association, if you're like 64% of all Americans, you're probably going to have a cup of coffee. Hi, my name is Richard Eisloffel, and I love coffee. I've been drinking it consistently since I was about 15 years old and have worked off and on as a barista for over four years. Though I haven't worked in the coffee field for some time now, I've recently took an interest in knowing more about coffee. Its origins, its history, its chemical makeup, how we get different flavor profiles, and its current cultural status. To do this, I turned to my best friend of over 10 years, Wesley Van Hoosen. Hello there, I'm Wesley. He is probably the most well-read person I know. Books have always been a part of his life, and I know that, like myself, he has a thirst for knowledge. So I asked him one day, Wesley, do you know any good books on coffee? To which he responded, No, actually, none that I've ever found. And I have to say, that took me by surprise. You would think out there, somewhere, is a manuscript detailing everything you need to know about coffee, from how it's made to how it made its way into the fabric of our society. But no, there really isn't. So that's when Wesley and I decided to do it ourselves. Welcome to Coffee's On, where every episode we'll learn something new about the marvelous beverage that is coffee. In this popcorn-style series, we'll use every episode to do a deep dive into some facet of coffee consumption or production. And with every episode, we'll be trying a new brew of coffee, so we can continue to open our palates as well as our minds. In addition, we'll close each episode with a fun fact, myth, or legend about this magical drink. So tune in during your morning routine, daily commute, or afternoon pick-me-up, and we'll tell you all there is to know about the most consumed beverage in America. You can listen to Coffee's On on Spotify or wherever you stream podcasts. From the Arcadia Podcast Network. Okay, we are coming back now with just the owner's stuff about Pesenci. All right, interesting. So starting off with their training, uh, Pesenci's, like all dogs, respond best to positive reinforcement and consistency in regards to their training. Clicker training is especially effective with Pesenci's, according to the Breed Club's website. Uh, Also, classes are recommended for this breed. So, yeah, just in general. Okay. Uh, they are best, they're best at agility training, obedience training, and then finally hunting. So the Basenji are unique in that they use both sight and smell to do their, uh, hunting of prey. The BCOA advises to begin this training while the dog is still a puppy, first and foremost by socializing and teaching the regular obedience commands. When the puppy grows a little bit more able, off-leash training is also necessary if you're going to use your Basenji for hunting. After this period, the next step is to make sure the young Basenji is familiar with its senses of sight and smell. Using a bird simulating device, like a fake bird on a fishing pole, which is actually recommended, or actual yeah. birds if you if you bird hunt. Uh, the or Basenji, gazelles. Or gazelles. No. Fake gazelle on a pole. <laughs> 
Uh, the Basenji can develop its sight skills to follow prey at a distance. As for smell, it's advised to familiarize the young Basenji with the smell of your desired prey by hunting down uh, something as an example. So like hunting down a deer and then uh, allowing the young Basenji to learn the deer's smell so it can know what it's actually like looking for when it's out in the field. This is a common practice for training scent hounds to become familiar with anything they're trying to look for, whether by instinct or profession. So they're very valuable hunting dog, it sounds like. It is remember... It is important to remember, though, that the Basenji does not kill its prey. It rather just flushes it out of its hiding area into a trap or holding place so the human hunter can get to it. So the Basenji is is a hunting dog, but it's not a, like, hunting dog. It's not, you know, like, going to go after anything. And a lot of dogs really don't kill their prey. They just either disable it or flush it, like we talk about. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's kind of the very basic outline of of training your basenji to, to do a hunt you can obviously find a lot of these resources again on the basenji club's website for this kind of training uh yeah i think it's interesting i think it's cool that you know again with a dog like this they're still being used for what they were used for thousands you know tens of thousands of years ago yeah, it's interesting to hear how unique they are too yeah for sure yeah. All right, so maybe not tens. Is that tens of thousands of years ago? Maybe just thousands of years ago. Like a million years. <laughs> I guess. I, I always think prehistory is like a billion, jillion years ago. <laughs> BC, yeah, 2000. <laughs> so some common Basenji questions. The first are health and medicine. So the common just like things you have to look out for if you own a Basenji. The first is hereditary eye conditions. Uh, like progressive retinal atrophy and persistent pupillary membrane, which is a condition of the eye involving remnants of a fetal membrane that persists strands of tissue crossing the pupil. Uh, you can look up pictures of this and it looks fam- well, it looks oh, more God. familiar than what it's called. Uh, but you can also, if you are interested in breeding Basenjis or owning a Basenji, you can look at the on the Orthopedic Foundation for Animals or the OFA, who we've mentioned before on this podcast as an ophthalmologist. Big shout out OFA. Woo, OFA. They have an ophthalmologist certified registry available uh, on their website. Yeah, and that's on their website, which is www.ofa.org. So go there. <laughs> the next thing is false pregnancy in females. This is apparently common in Pisenges. It's a really just, it's a weird fluke of nature, I guess. Uh, it's made apparent by nesting activities and overproduction of milk uh, to the point where a vet might need to drain uh, the Basenji's milk, but they are not actually pregnant. It's just a, Weird. it's a triggered reaction in the body. Never yeah. heard of this or it being Me common neither. in any breeds. Yeah. I thought it was interesting. The next one is Fanconi syndrome, which is a, it's renal tubular failure. So to put it simply, the good things that your kidneys would usually put back into your body instead flushes it out into your urine. Uh, so like things like amino acids and electrolytes are not getting into your back into the dog's bloodstream. And if it goes untreated, your dog will basically, to put it simply, they'll become weaker and weaker and weaker until the inevitable. So, uh, but luckily it is extremely treatable with supplemental amino acids and electrolytes. And they, uh, they have done studies on this disorder specifically, and it's shown that with supplements, uh, a dog will live a regular normal life. Okay. Yes. So yay. yay. <laughs> Hooray. 
And then the last one is hypothyroidism. So the Basenji has a faster thyroid function turnover than any other dog breed, which has also been clinically proven, apparently. And this may be what leads them to have excessive energy. I, it didn't mention if this needed to be treated, just mentioned it's really common in this breed that they have excessive energy because their thyroid is extremely efficient. Unless they need to go on a lot of walks, too, and yeah. <laughs> be running around all the yeah. time. I think I think honestly that might be an evolutionary trait more so than anything because it's it's like I don't know that I don't know maybe it's just they adapted and that's what ended up happening. It's, it's, it seems long hunts. Strange. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, On to grooming. Basenjis have a short single coat that sheds continuously throughout the entire year, so you need to brush them with a natural bristle brush or a hound glove. Uh, and you have to do that frequently to keep the shedding, <clears throat> excuse me, just keep the excess shedding down. Bathe them at least once a month or whenever necessary. And of course, always check their ears, clip their nails and brush their teeth. Brush their teeth. You always need to brush your dog's teeth. Since when? Since humans <laughs> have to have their teeth brushed. <laughs> oh, okay. Finding do a responsible... What? Do they need to floss? Uh, it's probably not a bad <laughs> idea. Made that joke before. I don't know if, I don't know if dogs would ever let you don't floss know. them though. <laughs> anyway, the BCOA has a breeder directory by state available on their website, but as always, do your research on the breeders you're looking at and always consider rescuing a Basenji if one is available. If you are going to buy one, though, as of 2020, the average cost of a Basenji puppy was between $1,500 and $2,000 and can go upwards of $3,000 for a more, like, I guess, pricier breeder. Uh, the high cost can be attributed to a number of factors. The biggest one is supply and demand. So Basenjis are not a super common dog. And because they've had to increase the breed stock over the years in order to make sure that there are enough that are healthy, that is something to be aware of. Um, there's also the things like how many active breeders are there in any given time. And breeder services are definitely going to sway the price their life expectancy is 13 to 14 years nice. so yeah pretty average on to the last couple of points uh the next one is intelligence so ranking at number 78 on stanley corn's list basenjis uh -huh. like many other hounds like we usually say are skilled more in the field than in just repetitive response training right that makes sense i thought they'd yeah. be higher but yeah <clears throat> yeah the list is based on they're also smart enough to know when they're not interested in something. Many sources say their training should be challenging and internally rewarding for them. So, and also to avoid okay, excessive yeah. treat training. They said that is a really bad idea for Basenjis because they'll, they're, they're tricky. They'll come to think that anything gets them a treat or like warrants like, Oh, look what I did. Like, you know, <laughs> so it's kind of not the best idea to use treat training. That's why clicker training is, or is ideal for the Basenji. I see. Weird. Okay. And uh, there's one famous Basenji, the most famous Basenji was My Lady of the Congo, who starred in the aforementioned film Goodbye, My Lady. Uh, she was owned by none other than Miss Veronica Tudor Williams of Toronto, Ontario. Oh. So kudos to you, Canada, for having the most famous Basenji. <laughs> <laughs> Way to go. And that is all oh, I've got on the Basenji. Nice. Yeah. Interesting dog. Very interesting. A, a much more uh, rich storied history than I imagined. And I don't say that to just be judgmental. I think I I always imagine with ancient breeds, a lot of it is like speculation or like 
maybe this hieroglyphic means this or this painting means that. And so yeah. I was actually happy to see that there is like documented evidence and proven evidence of the Basenji having existed in prehistory. So that, I thought that was really cool. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. A lot of research satisfaction. Although the research, I must admit, I I printed a lot <laughs> for <Yeah>. this episode. <laughs> I have like a stack of papers besides the books I had got for this, for this breed. Right. But... Yeah, I thought they were really interesting. Would you consider getting a Basenji? Yeah, maybe. I mean, it sounds like they need a big yard or at least a yeah, lot of exercise. is a little off-putting. I feel like you get used to it, but at first you'd be like, "What?" You'd be like, "What the <laughs> f was that?" <laughs> like that—that that was terrifying. Smelling. <laughs> yeah, it's like when you don't know how a cat meows, and then it meows. You're like, "Oh Lord!" Like yeah. that's that's your meow. Like, turn this cat. <laughs> what i gotta return this I gotta cat return this cat it's broken save the receipt yeah no i thought that was interesting i didn't even realize that the basenji was the barkless dog when i picked the breed i didn't realize oh, that yeah. until i started getting into the research so i was so that answers my question of oh yeah what breed is the barkless one <laughs> i think i thought basenji. it was the shiba inu for the longest time but it's not <laughs> it's the basenji oh no they totally bark yeah barkless dog it probably tricked a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> Actually being pretty noisy. Yeah, a noisy yodeling. Are they usually quiet, though? You know, a or lot of... Or do they of, do that yodeling a they lot? They do the yodeling. A lot of people say, like, they're not a quiet dog. <laughs> they don't... Just because they don't bark doesn't mean that, that each every each and every dog isn't necessarily quiet it's probably a takeaway if they're very energetic and yeah. actually not quiet <laughs> yeah but hey they're sound like they're, an interesting breed still they're they seem to be very useful for hunting when oh, yeah. i look at pictures online they seem to be if you have a group of them they're very skilled as a pack too uh speaking of which i did not i forgot to mention this it's recommended if you want to own more than one dog you should just own basenji's Right. So, okay. yeah. Or maybe other terriers. But it, it says, like, of course, you have to be aware, like, will this dog be territorial? Will there be problems? Things like that. So, but anyways, yeah, just quick mention there. But uh, like I said, yeah, I, I like this breed a lot. I don't know if I'd want one, but I think they're extremely interesting. I'd love to see one and, like, meet one just to see them in person and stuff. But I don't know if I'd really want one. They seem a little too... Uh, energetic for me do we ever need to go hunting i i'm not really a hunting kind of guy so you never know might need to <laughs> one day i just i'm not it's not my thing i would much rather watch i would just rather go to a football game that's my thing but anyways <laughs> right, listeners, time you're going to football games. <laughs> we'll end it there <laughs> thank you so much for joining us this week on we're getting a dog we'll be back next Thanks week with dylan's us. first breed of the season yeah Woo! can't wait oh yeah but anyways um thank you all so much for listening and dylan please take us out for this week and help control the pet population have your dogs spayed or neutered wesley van Husen and dylan naylor are not pet professionals any advice regarding pet ownership and the responsibilities thereof taken from this program should be checked with your veterinarian. All episodes are researched thoroughly, fact-checked, and additionally researched during post-production. Annotated bibliographies of every episode can be found at we'regettingadog.com slash bibliographies. This podcast is hosted by Dylan Naylor and Wesley Van Husen. If you'd like to reach out or submit a photo of your dog to be featured on our social media, please contact us at WGAD at ArcadiaPodcastNetwork.com or on our Instagram at We're Getting a Dog. Thank you for listening to We're Getting a Dog. 
from the Arcadia Podcast Network.